Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Theo Social, where theology meets sociology. I am your host, Elizabeth Escobar. Really excited to be here with you all. I know it is a very, very unique season of life right now with this COVID-19 pandemic taking place and just affecting basically every single person's way of life and just want to let everyone know that we, um, myself, my husband, and my kids, we are praying daily for everybody and believing that God is a miracle working God. God is in control and God is a God who sees us and he's also a God who is going to bring out revival out of all of this. I wholeheartedly believe it. But in all of that, before all of those things, God is a God who is close to the brokenhearted. And I know many people are experiencing a lot of heartbreak right now because of this virus and this pandemic. So know that God is with you. God is uh, a God who's nearby. Just call upon him and he's with us. So if you got to cry it out, you're frustrated, you're just, it's its a lot, it is a lot, and it's totally okay, because I've been feeling the heaviness of it, and you know, it's just, you just gotta lay it before the Lord, and continue to stay connected in these creative ways, thank God for technology that we can still stay connected, while I can't get a actual hug from those I love um, outside of my immediate family, but I know that, um, you know, that community is still important to stay connected to. So definitely press into community, your church, friend group, whoever is in your circle, just press into that in any kind of way. So with that being said, we are going to conclude this Sabbath Chronicles um, series on Lazarus. So this last part, excuse me, is on I think the favorite part that I discovered out of all of this which is really surprising and it was it was a nice surprise to get a chance to really um, dive into this Um, I think the reason why this uh, John 11 passage on Lazarus's um, miracle um, taking place became such a staple for me just because of not really I don't want to say that it's not about Lazarus because Lazarus is a really key player. I mean, it did have to do with the coming back to life, his life, but the impact that it had on others and those around him and specifically his sisters. So back to John chapter 11. So let's see, we are going to be reading... Did we read verse 32 already? No, we didn't. So it says, verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So, just right here. Let's just pause right there. What do we see? So, in this whole passage, you know, it starts off first by Mary and Martha sending word to Jesus while he was in another town that, hey, Lazarus isn't doing well. He doesn't seem like he's going to make it. 
and Jesus ended up staying a few extra days in this town. His disciples questioned him. They're just like, uh, hello, Jesus, this guy's like dying. Like, why are we not rushing over there? As we established in the previous uh, part one and two, that Jesus doesn't go based off of anybody else's rush, crisis or not, he follows the leading of the Father. So if God the Father was leading him to head over somewhere, then he would head over. If he didn't feel, if he didn't sense God leading him somewhere, then he'd stay put. And that's exactly what he did. He stayed put. And this very miracle was not only to be of benefit to his disciples and those uh, around that would be witnessing this, but really first and foremost to the sisters that were um, really being impacted by this. Because you have to understand, in biblical uh, times, especially during Jesus's ministry, these women, the texts, none of the gospels uh, describe them as either married or as their being a father in the picture. And why are those things important? Because women didn't have rights. I know I've talked about this in previous episodes, but they, I mean, there was really no autonomy for a woman outside of just kind of like having children. That was really like their main role and function in the society. To mother, have kids, um, rear them. That was kind of like their, that's who you were, right? You, you made kids. And if there was no father, so that means there was no like covering. And secondly, there's no husband. There isn't like a handing off that was happening. So there's no financial stability there. So if they're living with their brother, then that means that he was their head. He was like their financial covering, bringing them shelter, bringing them stability. And if he passes away, that shatters their whole structure, their whole like societal status in every sense of the word. So it like crushes their cultural belonging. There's so much that goes into it that isn't just the fact that, I mean, yes, physically somebody dying is really impactful, but more importantly, like their social standing, their cultural ability to continue to be connected to the society that they were a part of, everything about them would have been judged and questioned and I mean, very easily they could have been shunned. They could have been become homeless, you know, because there's like, who else is going to be taking them in and taking care of them? All the men in their life are non-existent anymore. And it's not like they could just go out and get jobs. That's, that's not really how society at that time worked. So it was a really big deal, you know, for these women to, um, to be experiencing this loss. There's so much loss that was taking place. There's the emotional loss because it's like, okay, this is my brother, but there's the financial loss of it. There is the social standing, the cultural aspect of it. So it's a lot. So why do I mention all those things? The first thing that comes out of Mary's mouth is disappointment. Jesus, if you would have just come earlier, he wouldn't have died. And you know what that speaks to me? That speaks of vulnerability. She just had this real and raw relationship with Jesus as her Lord that she could just bring about her complaints. 
her doubts, her disappointments, where she was at. It wasn't like, oh, I got to start off this beautiful prayer and nope, she just went right to it. Like, this is where I'm at, Lord. And I'm mad. I'm brokenhearted. I am disappointed and you weren't here for it. And she just laid it all out. And you know what? I like that about Mary. That's that's my style type type of woman, like just right to the nitty gritty, right? But it teaches us, what does that teach us? That we can be that same way with God. We can be that same way, have that type, same type of relationship with Jesus that he wants for us to continue to be vulnerable, real, especially during these times that are rocky and uncertain. You know, there's like a lot of, I have... I don't even, it's like honestly been amazing the array of emotions that I have felt since all of this quarantine pandemic stuff have happened, but God allows for us to just basically have the permission to just be in his presence. No questions asked. It's just like, I made you, I know you're going to be going through the waves, but I'm going to sit here with you and I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear you out and it's going to be okay. So I love that. I love that. I remember being in college and uh, when I was doing therapy, the therapist told me something that always stayed with me. And she said that God will always be the adult in the room. So what does that mean? That means that I can be the child, if you may, and just let it all out. Like, I'm mad about this. Oh, you know, just say whatever I need to say. Because many times we do the complete opposite right? We're thinking like, we almost have to like, put on this face, like, oh no, I praise God. I, you know, Jesus is good. God is good all the time. Yes. Amen. Like, and, and don't get me wrong. That stuff is great. Like having the hope and the faith and yes, let's do that. But then there's the other part where we can just be real and, and honest before his feet and just, this is where I'm at, Lord. I'm struggling with this or I'm brokenhearted about whatever. And he takes it and it's he doesn't weigh it any less. You know, he doesn't see it as less lesser than a praise. He still accepts both equally and the same. So I thought that was, that really ministered to me. Um, I want to point out two other instances where this happens. So we are going to go to Luke chapter 38. So it says, um, at the home of Martha and Mary, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came into him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister had left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So we see Mary in this instance, once again, at the feet of the Lord in John chapter 11, when Jesus finally arrives after the four days that Lazarus was dead, what does she do? Goes to his feet. Then we go to John, 
yeah, John 12, the very next chapter right over in verse 3. It tells us, then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So there's a few things here. Mary was constant at Jesus' feet in teaching, in grief, in celebration, preparation, transition at his feet. It did not matter what was happening in her life. This was her posture. Her posture of life was to be at his feet. And what's interesting is that in all of these instances, they all happened in a crowd of people. When Martha, her sister, was hosting in the home, there was a crowd of people. When Lazarus died, there's all these mourners, people that came over to be with them. There's a crowd of people. When in chapter 12 in the book of John, where after Lazarus is back from the dead and he hosts them in his home, does dinner to celebrate the miracle, there's a crowd of people. And each time, what does she do? Has a posture to be at his feet. So she lived an unashamed type faith. Type of a lifestyle that it's like, I'm going to live at his feet. And this was something really significant and very symbolic. Because again, she's a woman. And during this time period, not anybody was considered a disciple especially the men that Jesus selected to be his disciples, fishermen, tax collectors. I mean, you name it, like the type of men that he selected, they weren't the type of men that were going to religious school. They, they didn't have the type of funds to go to a pious schooling. No, they're just your average Joe Schmo, if you may, right? And really, these women are at the bottom of the totem pole. There's no, like, they're up here. Nope. None of that. And so for her to be doing this in a public forum each time, number one, it shows that she wasn't consumed with the things of this world. And two, what it symbolizes and what it teaches us about Jesus is that he wasn't all, even though, like, I'll say this, like Jesus very much understood the times like we already established in the previous episode, but he also, uh, he knew he was very forward thinking, like he was kingdom oriented. And what does that mean? That means that he, his, his way of being was to position disciples. There was no respecter of gender. It was just these are the, you know, the individuals that are choosing me as their Messiah, as their king. So be it. Jew, Gentile, slave, rich person, non-rich person. There was none of that. It was just, you are my disciple, period. And that's a beautiful testament um, to what we now get to enjoy today. So what she emulated was actually something that, I mean, she was like, wow, let's talk about being a modern woman 
in a time period that was extremely, extremely conservative. So it's, it's a beautiful picture, I believe, of just what an example she is to us that in every single season of life to continue to be at his feet and to be transparent, to be teachable, to be open and honest about where we are, who we are, not be filled with the opinions of others, with their thoughts, consumed by who they are or their, what they think about us. No, her thoughts were on Christ, on the things above. So I hope that this passage of John chapter 11 was encouraging to you and know that on the road to the cross, the same goes for us today. That while we are focused on that resurrection power, God there's God wants to do so much in between all of that time. He wants to heal. But how does he heal? He heals in allowing for us to be consoled, to weep, to be taken in because that creates intimacy. He allows for us to complain to him, ask him the questions, why weren't you here sooner? Because that creates intimacy and that also creates space for healing. Um, And just all of everything that we have noted so far, just the fact that this was the very last miracle, um, the timing in which Jesus um, really leaned on the Father's timing and living in the here and not yet how Jesus really uh, treaded the line perfectly and gave us a perfect model on how to do it. Um, And just what a personal relationship he had with his disciples, uh, knowing when to lean into performing a miracle, but then also knowing uh, when it was time to sit and grieve with others and celebrating disciples such as Mary. for their their posture, their demeanor of constantly being at his feet. So I hope that you are encouraged today. Uh, Shoot me a DM, a message, a comment. Let me know what you think of this episode. And we will just keep talking, um, keep sharing, keep tuning in. Appreciate all of the love. And we will keep having... um, this conversation going. So we'll talk soon. Thanks so much. God bless.